Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is good, uh, that it is living, and that it speaks to us today to help us to be more and more your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't think many people like to be told that they are sheep or to think of themselves as sheep because sheep are not known for being very smart or very independent or very autonomous. Uh, maybe in church, uh, in church world, we're a little bit more accustomed to thinking in these terms, uh, the idea of a, a pastor and a flock. But we can talk about these ideas and still not think of the full implications, what it really means for us to be a sheep as it's been described from today's passages. We've been going through the Gospel of John all year, and today we are up to a passage where Jesus is speaking with the Pharisees. He's been speaking to them for a while now, and they seem to be getting more and more upset with what he is saying. And so he uses the analogy of a shepherd and their sheep to help teach them what it means to follow God, and particularly what, how Jesus is leading his people. Because Western shepherds today, as you've probably seen, uh, they drive the sheep. They even use sheepdogs to do this. There are some amazing images of what sheepdogs can do and how a whole flock of sheep can be uh, encouraged to go a particular way. But in the Near East, in the world that Jesus was uh, preaching at that time, uh, they lead their flocks. They don't drive them in the same way. They lead them. And the flock knows the voice of the one who is leading them, their shepherd. And so today's passage encourages us to listen to the good shepherd's voice. Now, in your bulletin, there is an outline if you'd like to follow along as well or take any notes. And so our first point from the passage is that we need, uh, we need a shepherd. We see in this passage why sheep need a shepherd. It's interesting that even our unofficial national anthem, Waltzing Matilda, is about someone who steals a sheep. It's something that's been going on for thousands of years because sheep are particularly easy to steal, aren't they? Especially if they're not being guarded. Jesus knows this, and he knows that there are people who were trying to lead his sheep astray. There would be robbers who could climb over the side of the sheep pen to attack the sheep. Very bad shepherds. This is a theme that had been going throughout the Bible as we read from the passage in Ezekiel chapter 34. In verse 10, uh, Ezekiel says there that God says, I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. Throughout Israel's history in the Bible, they'd had some pretty bad shepherds. And those that Jesus is speaking to do in today's passage seem to be no better. But he is going to be the good shepherd, isn't he? He calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. They trust him. He knows them. They listen to his voice. And the fact that his sheep follow him it gives the impression that there may even be several flocks within this sheep pen, several shepherds working together to keep their sheep safe. But his sheep, they knew his voice. He, 
in Near Eastern culture, they would have particular calls that their sheep would know and so that their sheep would then gather around their shepherd. Now, Jesus is using this analogy, this figure of speech, as it says in verse 6, to show how much greater care he has for those in his flock than those he's speaking to, the Pharisees. But, as verse 6 says, they don't understand, probably because they're not willing to. They are, in fact, the robbers, those who are trying to steal from the sheep to fatten themselves up instead. Well, Jesus doesn't explain his analogy to people. Instead, what he does is he expands on it. He doubles down on this whole idea of sheep and a shepherd and everything to do with that in saying in our second point from verse 7 to 10 that he himself is in fact the gate for the sheep. Now, it's the job of a shepherd to provide a safe pen, a working gate, and to carefully see who comes and goes from it. That makes sense. But Jesus goes further. He says there in verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. This is so different to the sheep, sorry, to the thief, the one who only comes in to kill and destroy. He's come not just to give his sheep the bare minimum of care, not just to keep the thief and the robber out, but as it says in verse 10, that they may have life and have it to the full. Just think of that for a moment. Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full. Not just a life that is free from danger or free from trouble. We know that those things will still be in our world and will still happen to all of us. But if Jesus is our shepherd, then we can expect life to the full. And that makes sense. The Bible tells us he is the one through whom the world was made through whom life has its being, as John chapter 1 says. Even if you go back to John chapter 2 and look at his very first miracle, turning water into into wine, what a life-giving event that was. Think about it. He could have very easily performed a miracle of turning wine into water, something much more important for, uh, for survival something that we might think, well, yes, we actually probably need water more than wine in, de- in daily life. But that's not what he does. Rather than putting an end to the wedding party that he is attending at the time, he keeps it going. He makes sure that there is enjoyment. He's not a party pooper, but a party starter. That's his first miracle, showing the life that he gives to people right here and right now. So, having life as his sheep is about looking to him, not just in the life to come, but in this life now. It's easy to imagine that the life of a Christian is somehow diminished, that there are things that you shouldn't do or things you shouldn't say or think. But that's not the image that we have here. It's of a life that is expanded because... It's a life in relationship with the one through whom God gives us life and through whom we're able to know the one who gives us life as well. So Jesus is the gate for the sheep 
And thirdly, he is the good shepherd. First of all, who lays down his life for the sheep. There in verse 11 to 13. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, of course, the shepherd's job was sometimes tiring and often dangerous. And shepherds that were better than others would be willing to risk their lives for their sheep, perhaps by uh, beating back some attacking animal who was trying to get into the sheep pen. But the actual death of a shepherd for such a reason, it must have been pretty rare. And it surely would never have been the intention of the shepherds to die for their sheep because if the shepherd dies, then who is going to look after them? They would be left completely exposed. But Jesus again is taking this a step further. He doesn't just say, I'm prepared to risk my life for my sheep. He says, I lay down my life for my sheep. He's showing that the very fact that he lays down his life is part of his role as as a shepherd. It is part of what it means for him to be the good shepherd. Not just that he risks his life, but that he lays down his life. It is the job that his father has given him and that he willingly undertakes to be the son and to be the good shepherd as well. He lays down his life for us and he also knows his sheep and his sheep know him, as we see in verse 14 to 16 there. I don't know if there are many sheep out there that you could say that you particularly know. If you saw a flock of sheep, if you'd be able to tell them apart. But a shepherd can. I think there's only one sheep that I would be able to say with any certainty what it is, and that would be the big merino in Goulburn. If I see that sheep, I know exactly which sheep it is. It may be the same for you. But for a good shepherd, they know their sheep, and their sheep know him. But even more, Jesus has other sheep to add into this sheep pen. As he says in verse 16, he must bring them also. He's referring to the fact that through him, God's love, God's care, and the good news that he is sharing with the world is truly for all people. Not simply for the Jews, although it was first of all for them, but for the whole world, including us here today as well. We too can be Jesus' sheep. He can be our shepherd when we hear his voice and when we go to him, when we respond. So Jesus knows his sheep. His sheep know him. And lastly, Jesus is loved by the Father precisely because he is the good shepherd. Verse 17, he says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. The love of the Father for the Son and the love of the Son for the Father, it's the basis that makes our salvation possible. Now, it's not that God the Father only loves Jesus because of what he does for us, but 
who, what Jesus as God's son does for us is so integral to who he is and the obedience that he has for his father that it is intimately tied up with the love that they share for one another. Meaning that his plan to die on the cross and rise again to new life so that we can be God's children, that plan was in place before anything was created, before anyone even had the chance to turn away from God in the first place. The love the Father and the Son have for each other is because Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the one who lays down his life for his feet only to take it up again, as it says in verse 17. Meaning here that he lays down his life so that he can take it up again, so that he can be resurrected and glorified and point to the fact that we can have new life in him as well. Not just life to the full now, but life to the full forever. So I encourage all of us today to hear our shepherd's voice. As we see in verse 19 to 21, some of those Jews who were listening to him heard the voice uh, and some of them did not. They heard his voice and they were divided. Some of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? How easy is it to just completely discount what someone is saying if you say that they're crazy, if you say that there's nothing behind it. It shows that they weren't really listening to him at all, were they? They'd already decided who they thought he was, what place he had in their lives. But others had been listening, because in verse 21, they say, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Anyway, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Last week in chapter 9, Jesus did precisely that. Again, those who wanted to see what he had done, they were against it. They didn't believe it. They thought that it was the work of a demon. But that doesn't ring true. And it doesn't ring true that what Jesus is saying here today is the work of someone who is mad. If Jesus truly did rise from the dead, then what he says today is something that we can have the confidence in to say that, yes, he is our shepherd that we are his sheep. If he truly did lay down his life for us only to take it up again, then what better shepherd could we have? What other voice should we listen to? If you believe Jesus died and rose, you know you've got a good shepherd who cares about you. Listen to his voice. Not all the other voices that are clamoring for our attention in our world. And there are many of them. If you're someone who feels like Jesus' voice is being drowned out by those other voices, by the hired hands, by people who might be telling you what you would like to hear now rather than what you know is true for eternity, people who tell you what you think is good, what people think is good for the world right now rather than what God says is good for the world always. Listen to Jesus' voice. He is the good shepherd. He's not trying to steal us. He's not trying to take us away. He's not trying to rob us of anything. He's here to give us life and give it to the full. 
And if Jesus has been your shepherd for many, many years, don't forget how good a shepherd he really is. Because he is still your shepherd. It's not something you grow beyond. He's still your shepherd as much as he was the first day you came to him. It's not as though he ever moves on to more needy sheep. There's plenty of Jesus to go around, isn't there? And so I hope that today's passages can encourage each of us to listen to his voice, not to discount it too easily or too quickly or to think that he has some ulterior motive. It's the voice of someone who cares for those in his care, who has done everything he can for them and continues to to this day, who has laid down his life that he may take it up again and give them a life to the full. Let's now pray together and remind ourselves of just how good a shepherd we truly have. Let's pray. Our Lord and Father, we do thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, the Good Shepherd. Thank you that he lays down his life, that he may take it up again and give us life to the full in him. Help us to hear his voice through your word to us. Help us to follow him and not any other voice that is clamoring for our attention. Help us to know the life that he offers us, how good that is, both now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.